Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hello and welcome, GC. I'm Todd Lyons, and you're listening to Toddcast, Season 2, Episode 2, a show for and about public servants. While I'm normally a highly visible, recreational, and professional user of the substance commonly known as tea, this episode of Toddcast is brought to you by coffee. Smooth, delicious coffee making consciousness and organized thought possible since 1573. No particular brand, mind you. Due to ongoing austerity measures, the Toddcast staff is buying whatever's on sale. But, on the plus side, it's kept warm by Trish Hopkins, who knitted me a gorgeous custom-made French press cozy. Me, a total stranger who she'd never met, or perhaps even heard of, just because I was a fellow public servant. One day, long before Toddcast, I asked on GC Connects's The Wire if there was such a garment for coffee presses, and Trish offered to make me one, completely shrugging off my insistence that it was too kind a gesture or would take too long, or that she needn't bring it to me herself. She'd be coming to Ottawa for training anyway, she said. So, Trish found a French press that was the same model as mine, bought it from a store, actually, knitted it a cozy, returned the press to the store, lovingly restored to its original packaging, and then flew the little sweater to me in Ottawa and hand-delivered it. Two of them, actually. Yeah, after all she'd already done, she offered me a choice of color and style. Yeah, she is that amazing. And still, she insists, it was no big deal. I disagree. But, I do understand how she feels. Many people have paid me kind compliments for Toddcast, for which I am extremely thankful. But to me, Toddcast is not significantly different from what Trish does. Each of us here within the GC has knowledge and skills and talents which we personally take for granted, but which have enormous value when we use them to help the people around us. Serving Canadians begins with serving the Canadians you work with. Never underestimate the power of what you consider to be a simple gesture. Meaningfulness has nothing to do with size. It occurs at the intersection of intention and perception. I asked for help. Trish helped. More than she needed to. More than I expected. She reminds me why I love to work for the public service. And she reminds me how a tool like GC Connects connects people with needs with others that have the knowledge and skills to meet those needs. Whether it's subject matter expertise, or document templates, or project management skills, or deep institutional knowledge or radio broadcasting experience, or truly excellent custom knitting. 
Share your skills and talents with others. And remember to offer private thanks and public praise to those who have helped you. For all the remuneration and benefits that come with this job, one of the most significant and yet most overlooked, most underutilized, is us. All of us. Scattered remotely in some cases, but always firmly connected through shared purpose and collaborative technology. We, the us in public service, are our own best employment benefit. So please remember who we are, why we do this work for Canada, what each of us brings to the public service, and how helping begins here from within. Helping each other so we can all do a better job helping Canada. In this episode of Toddcast, my long-awaited conversation with Jennifer Hollington. Join me, won't you? Now, of all the things that I was told when I joined the public service, one of them was that if you want to actually move up, there's something called a tour of duty that you have to do, where you need to do a certain amount of time in, in key departments and central agencies to sort of further your career and climb up the ladder. And this is something that I've now come to call the big lie, because one of the interesting things that I've noticed about your career, especially for someone that's risen to the level of, of director general, is that it's been spent entirely in a single department. Why do you think that that approach has worked for you? Well, I think one of the advantages of being in one department it, it, for any job is your, your reputation. And when you've been in a department for a long time, you can build up a terrific rep reputation if you are known for being a very collaborative and collegial uh, colleague, uh, if you're known for delivering, um, if you're good at your job. And for me, I think that reputation that I've built has actually helped me to get opportunities in the organization that I might not necessarily have gotten had I moved to other departments. And I never started my career saying, I want to go to one department and stay exclusively in that department for now 27 years and who knows, um, I may finish my career here, I may move to another department. Um, it just happened that this department has been very good for me. As you say, I, I, I'm now a DG. I started as an IS2, uh, back in 1988 and it's just been a good place for me to have a career. That's interesting. I wonder if I've done terrible, terrible damage to my own career having worked at, uh, I guess now ESDC at OPC, done some time at TBS. I, I don't seem to ever be anywhere long enough for people to remember that I was interesting or good or maybe that I should work up. Anyway, there's a lesson here to be learned. Now, I know that the development of CORE, changing our organization through respect, came out uh, of the 2011 Public Service Employee Survey results for your sector, which showed relatively high levels of harassment. Were those a big surprise to you and others at the time? I don't know if they were a surprise to others. I was fairly new to that sector of Natural Resources Canada, NRCAN, uh, and I had come from another part of the department where the numbers in the Public Service Employee Survey for harassment were much lower. So when I got to this new sector and I saw that 31% of employees had said that they were in the survey, that they had been victims of harassment in the previous two years, I was astounded by that. And I thought, I volunteered to be the champion for that initiative. And I didn't want to be the harassment champion, uh, cause first of all, it's a boring name. 
Uh, so we came up with this idea of core, Latin for heart, use, works both in fish, uh, works well in both official languages, uh, the acronym works in both official languages, because one of the first things, and I think that's my communications background coming out, that you've got to have something that people can relate to. And it just sort of took off from there. I started it as something that was small and local in my own uh, part of the department, quickly realized that the kinds of issues we were dealing with, the kinds of activities we were putting on to try to address those issues were universal. They were of, of interest, not just in my sector, but to the whole department. So when we would have activities, we would make those available to the whole department. And then I fell in love with GC Connects as a platform and have now moved to have a number of, of our activities and our resources on GC Connects. And that's creating a whole new community of people in the public service who are really interested in, in making a really good workplace. Um, and so it's been a, a great way to, to take something that's a universal, um, issue and something that we would all like to have and using those existing platforms like GC Connects, make that available more broadly. Now, beyond the PSES, uh, were there any other specific issues going around at the time that you remember that were also unaddressed? The core was also designed to engage with improving. Certainly, the PSES was the uh, the factor or the the issue that caused us to to create this group in the first place. But one of the first things we found when we started talking to people about creating core was what is harassment? Everybody wanted it to be defined. And it became, if we focused exclusively on harassment, it became almost a legalistic kind of conversation. It was trying to put harassment in a box. It is or it isn't harassment. And there are many things that go on in a workplace that go on between individuals that I might be the first person to say, well, that's not harassment, but it makes me feel uncomfortable, or it's a negative relationship, or it's a relationship that drains me, or I feel worse after having a conversation with this person as opposed to better. And so we started realizing that there's lots of behaviors, as I said, that aren't harassment. They don't fit within that legalistic box, but we would nevertheless want to change. And then equally, there are people within an organization who are experiencing experiencing it as a very positive, nurturing, healthy organization. And to have an initiative that focuses exclusively on harassment runs the risks of all of those people saying, well, that this isn't really for me. So I think in our organization, that 31% said that they were being harassed. I'm sure if you talk to, there'd be about another third that would say, I'm not really being harassed, but I am feeling that there are some things we could be doing better. And then maybe another third saying, I love it here. I love my colleagues. So we, with CORE, we try to focus on all three of those dimensions. So, so far, uh, what impact do you think that CORE has had on the workplace within NCR and perhaps more broadly in the, the public service? Well, within that sector where I was at the time and we started CORE, our 2011 survey results were 31% had said that they had been harassed in the previous two years. And then the number went down to about 17 or 15 or 17%. The number escapes me at the moment. So a big reduction, not exclusively as a result of core. Certainly there were other efforts going on in that sector to try to improve uh, the work environment. But I'm a big believer that trying to create a more positive, healthy, respectful workplace is not something you do with a single activity. You don't have the big workshop or bring in the expert and and then it's done. And we can say, oh God, thank God we've solved that problem. This is something that we will 
always have to work on. It's a little bit like the campaigns right now for um, good mental health. Uh, Bell, um, Bell Let's Talk Day, for example, where you're trying to, in that case, uh, break down uh, the stigma uh, around mental health. And in our case, it's a constant reminder of the importance of respect in the workplace, positivity in the workplace, um, and not being afraid to talk about the tough issues around harassment or bullying or incivility. So these events, are they more presentation focused or are they very interactive? Um, they, w- within CORE, we have a variety of kinds of activities that we do. Some events are what we call core, uh, core, um, core conversations. We'll bring in an expert or we'll bring in somebody who has experienced something directly and it will be more presentation style, Q and A style. And then we have something we call core curriculum, which is more like a course or a workshop where we'll, we'll have someone put on a two day workshop on positive and effective communications. Then we do things that we call core communication. Uh, I do a lot of blog posts as part of Cafe Gen, my blog that are about effective relationships in, in the workplace. So that's another platform that I use to get out messages about um, how leaders should treat their employees, how uh, the importance of civility, defining, I did a post recently on what is respect, because we all struggle with what exactly does it mean. So we've done core cafes, which are just informal gatherings of people, because if I sit down and have an informal conversation with you, I'm much more likely to, you know, cut you some slack if maybe you don't meet my deadline, or I'm wondering why you're not getting back to me. So a lot of different activities, not all of which are real-time events. Some of them are using the technology like GC Connects. So thinking about yourself as, as I guess, the champion, how do you find a way to stay positive and respectful and upbeat? I guess when you're being repeatedly exposed to maybe not actions and behaviors, but at least the perception that this still exists all around you. Does it weigh down on you a little bit to think, you know, this is something that we really have to keep doing and doing and doing because yeah. it's always out there. It's 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 a tide that would push back on us. It can weigh weigh down on on me. I am the kind of person who tends to look for the opportunity or look at what I can do as opposed to what I can't do or or you know the a difficulty in a situation. So, for example, I was part of a conversation recently where someone we were doing a check in at a meeting and someone relayed a story of a an awkward situation that had occurred. Uh, she had been and and I, this is on on my blog and it's actually on the on the core blog within GC Connects. So she had been in a meeting with her boss, a colleague burst into the room angrily threw a file on the table. This is late. I'm late for an appointment and just stormed back out of the room. And the employee was left thinking, why didn't I speak up? What happened to respect and civility in the workplace? And it led to the question, what would you do? And I thought to myself, gee, what could we do with that? How can we turn that into something positive? So I ended up taking that question. I put it, that story, I put it out to uh, about 30 different people and 24 different people sent back their advice on answering the question, what would you do? So I took all of that advice and synthesized it into a single post. What would you do? The interrupter, and I hope it'll be a series where we can take something that's negative and we can say, how do, what do we learn from this? And I think that that trying to make something good out of a difficult situation 
that I do. And also, I'm constantly learning. I'm far from a perfect human being, far from a perfect manager. But so those of us who are involved in core, the, the core of core, of core, mm. uh, we have, we have been changed as a result of thinking about the issues and trying to be better ourselves and be better models and just trying to improve the, the workplace for others. What would you say is the thing that you're most proud of that's come from your involvement with core? Or if you can't just pick which, just one. Well, one thing that immediately comes to mind is the number of requests I'm getting from other departments to go speak to them. And that says to me that there is a, a real need out there for this kind of initiative, a desire for it. So the fact that we started small and for the mo- most part, we still act locally. Um, or our activities tend to be more local. They tend to be more within the department, but we've thought globally. So it's that whole act locally, think globally expression, globally being the public service. So we said that our mission or objective is to be a movement for positive change in the public service, because you might as well have a, a, you know, an ambitious goal. And even if you, you know, even if you don't on day one or day three or year three, you've achieved that goal of, you know, a positive movement across the, the public service. There's no harm in having that as an objective and realizing it or trying to realize it by making what we're doing accessible to people beyond our sector or our department right across the public service. Your blog, uh, Cafe Gin has a very dedicated following, I've, I've noticed. I, I'm a little envious, but in a good way. What inspired you to start it? Back in around 2008, I was in uh, a different part of the department, Canadian Forest Service, different part of NRCAN, and my ADM asked me to be the champion for internal communications. Every organization struggles with internal communications. It comes up in the Public Service Employee Survey repeatedly, there's not enough internal communications. And he recognized in me, and I came to recognize in myself, that I really have a passion for communications. So blogs were just starting to come on stream at NRCAN in that time. NRCAN was a bit ahead of its time then um, with having a wiki. We, I think we were the first department with a wiki. Uh, blogs were, were coming on stream. So I got a blog, and I thought this would be a different way of communicating with my own staff of 40 people. And then when I started the blog, the the guy on my team who helped me set it up, he said, now, it's open to the whole department, but we could restrict the comments to your branch. And I said, oh, well, that makes sense to me. I don't really care if other people outside the department read it, but my people should comment. So first or second post out, somebody in another part of the department who was in working in the collaborative tools area said, well, I'd love to be able to comment on this, but you've restricted the comments. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'll open the comments up. And then over time, people who discovered my blog they were leaving the department and they would say, I was, I wish there were a way I could still get your blog. So I said, with, I use SharePoint as the, the technology for it. And it generates these beautiful emails that have the entire body of the, of the blog post in the email. So I started sending that to people. And then Joy Moscovich at TBS asked me every once in a while, like, you know, have you thought about making your blog accessible within the, the public service? And eventually, 
I I resisted it for a little while because I was thinking it already is so much effort just to write and translate and get the post on within my own department. And now I will have it in duplicate, duplicate places. But I finally decided, okay, I'm going to take the plunge and started putting it on GC Connect. So now there's a new following there. I probably don't even know the number of people who are getting uh, my posts because people have say to me occasionally, oh, I, I forward your posts to other people. And over, it started as, as I said, as a means of communicating with my own staff. But one of the, because I wanted it to be bilingual, I knew that trying to write it like uh, hard news, very topical news, like what you would find in a newspaper, the news of the day, mm. was very hard to do because of the trans, the lag factor associated with translation. Whereas if I adopted more of a magazine style where the news is, is more timeless, then it doesn't matter whether that post is posted today or in a week when the translation is in. And so the theme of the blog being success at work emerged over time. And then I really just started talking and writing or writing about things that were really important to me. And they were extremely varied. I might do a post on maintaining your energy level. I might do a post on learning, career. Um, and then over time, I started getting guest posts in. So this week's post uh, is a guest post from a, a colleague within the department, Chris Valacat, who did a summary of a book um, by Michael Barber on how to run a government, which is really timely right now. So I saw this and I thought, oh, I need to bring this to a bigger audience. Um, sometimes somebody sent me an email one time and it was just an email to me. And he said, you know, when you made that compliment in your, your own email, you didn't realize that I was the person who had written the piece that you commented on so kindly. And he said, you have no idea how that one act of kindness, the impact it had on me. And he went on to say that he says, I have many qualities. Sadly, self-confidence is not one of them. I've suffered from depression and anxiety. And take you're taking the time to say that positive thing meant more to me than you realized. I was so touched by that story. I got his permission to share his story anonymously. Nobody still knows who that person is, but I got him his permission to share that story because that to me, that's important and I want to tell that story. So having a platform like, you can see kind of the trajectory, it's a long answer to a short question of how Cafe Gen has evolved over the last seven and a half years that I've been doing it and it's a passion. Maybe it's not really important to know numbers. I know we're obsessed about numbers, but just because you publish in so many, like people can get it internally, they can get it through email, they can yeah. get it on GC Connects. The fact that you're getting people that come back at you, the fact that that I had so many people approach me to come and talk to you to make this interview happen today, that's got to say something. Like it's it's meaningful to feel that real return coming back towards you. People telling you how much it means, people wanting to talk to you, to interview you on the show because it, it is impacting people's lives and they look forward to it and they feel like you are communicating ideas and feelings that, that resonate very deeply with them. And I think communicating ideas and feelings in a way that's very genuine. And somebody sent me something the other day, and it was an email that that a corporate group had developed for her to send out as the champion. And she said, what do you think? And I think she knew it was a bit sterile. So I read it and I said, well, we don't have a lot of time. Ideally, you would have written something that was more like a blog post, more personal personal, and bringing in why you think this subject is important. But I managed to tweak it 
enough that at least it stripped out some of that bureaucratic, sterile language. And she did end up putting out the version that, that I had sent back to her. But, um, so, so much of what we put out in the public service as corporate emails, they're, they're just that. They're corporate emails. People don't really read them. Uh, whereas with a blog post, and, you know, I didn't start out writing back in 2008 the way I write today. I remember even writing a blog post about not being sure if I should share about me, what I'm personally going through, what I'm personally struggling with. And somebody wrote back in the comments and said, that's exactly what we want you to talk about. And in fact, I had read a blog post that said, that's what people want to read. They want to know what is your personal opinion on this. And um, so, yeah, it, that's the great thing when you do something over time, you get better at it and you find, you get into a groove. And I often talk about Cafe Gen as a platform and a platform for me to share what I think is important and of interest. And then for me to see other stories that are out there and bring those to Cafe Gen readers. Hmm. Now, starting a blog can be relatively simple. Finding the time to continue to publish it when your hands are busy juggling and your feet are, are busy stomping out fires can be very difficult. What do you think has enabled you to stay on top of it despite your obviously important role and very busy schedule? Absolute. Uh, I think it's passion. I love writing. Um, it's commitment. But I think it's also what you were saying earlier about all of the people who come back to me and all that positive feedback, that energy, that love uh, that I get from people who read the blog, that that really sustains me and, and keeps me going. How do you engage with the community that's been created through your blog? Do you Is it mostly comment-based? I guess because you publish over so many different ways, you must get emails, you get comments. Do you, have you met any of the people that, that uh, like they've actually come face-to-face and, and found you in public and say, that thing that you wrote, it really, it really touched me. I really love that. Yeah, an interesting story. Last year when the government had the innovation fair, it was the first innovation fair related to Blueprint 2020. I was downtown at the, uh, at 235 Queen where they, they had the, uh, this fair and I was almost ready to go and I was just passing by a, a computer screen. There were a couple of women at this computer screen and they were demonstrating, I think, GC Connects and they just happened to have landed on or to be on my blog page. <laughs> and I went by and I saw it and I said, oh my God, that's me. And the two women at the table stood up <laughs> and and it was as though they were meeting a celebrity. Because when you, uh, it'd be like me, like hearing your voice on the Toddcast and then meeting you in person. Actually, just hearing the voicemail message you left for me earlier today, I think, oh my God, this is kind of cool. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I have gotten that reaction. And then just recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to go speak at uh, the Canada School of Public Service was doing a workshop on blogging. And as it turned out, that the amazing thing about these communities um, and communities in general, like GC Connects, but also particular kinds of communities, people who, uh, other bloggers. So Roy Nader, who is the guy behind t- um, Clicks and Tips, has a blog and newsletter and he's just amazing. He knew about Cafe Gen and he said to the organizers of that course, you have to get Jennifer Hollington because <laughs> she knows about blogging. And so I went and spoke about that event and it was exhilarating. It was 
you underestimate how much you learn from actually doing something week in, week out for seven and a half years, 550 posts or so I'm up to now. That's just, that's amazing. And so all of that is what really sustains me. Okay. Recognizing your, your expertise. Um, actually, I did some crowdsourcing on the Toddcast group to just see of my listeners what questions that they would ask if, if they got to be me sitting in the chair. So one of these questions was, one particular public servant wrote me to say that she loves blogging. And she wondered if you had any advice on how public servants could use blogging to further their career in government, to to just get better known, to make better relationships, to uh, maybe land their dream job. Do you have any tips? Oh, that's a great question to think about that. Um, I think one of the things, and anybody who does something, whether it's blogging or in your case, this is a form of blogging. It's a form of, you know, it's taught, it's uh, podcasting is that is such a contribution to the public service that I think the first thing you demonstrate, particularly if you are committed to your blog, a blog or a, a podcast or what have you, you demonstrate tremendous generosity. And that's something that people like to see. And I, or I would at least say as a, as an executive in the public service, I like to see that kind of generosity. I love to see people who are passionate about something and they give to that thing. The other thing I, I say, and I, I said it when I was speaking to this, uh, this workshop at the Canada School, that you, you always learn personally from what you're doing. Most of the, many of the blog posts that I write are some subject that I don't know the answer to when it comes to me. Sometimes people, people will ask me a question and I'll think, I don't know the answer to that question, but I can find out. Mm -hmm. So I put my journalistic uh, skills to, to, to work and I'll go out and I'll do a bunch of research. Uh, and then I'll write that up. Well, I am changed as a result of that process. I learn so much. And the other thing I find is that because I don't have a great memory, when I, if I just read something, I'd forget 90% of what I read. But if I read something and then I synthesize that and I write about it, I will remember that much more readily. And it, it tends to stock it away in my brain somewhere so I can access it. So I will often remember posts that I have written in the past just from the action of doing it. So I, I think there's tremendous benefits. So, so back to the question of how can blogging help with one's career? I think it demonstrates a, a, you know generosity. It creates connections. Uh, so I mentioned Roy Nader. I wouldn't have ever known Roy if we hadn't had something like that in common. And then you you just learn as a result of doing it, and that's good for for one's career. Um, I think that's a, the best I could do at the moment, off the top of my head. That's a really good question. And I guess the subject material, the things that you write about, should be things that come from within. Because as you, I guess, experienced going through it from 2008 until the present, that it was really those things that you hesitated and asked right in the blog post, should I talk about my personal life? Yes, absolutely. You should talk about your personal life. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, we we edit ourselves a lot, and, and fear tends to hold us back. But... Actually, I'll have you repeat the question. She wanted to know basically just some tips because she has the interest in blogging. But I don't know, maybe some of the fear, maybe some of the concern or just want some guidance as to how she could target her writing skills and her interest in a way that could help her to get her dream job. Well, one of the things that we probably shouldn't be 
uh, as shy about as we are is to seek permission to send our blog posts to certain people. And I, when I first started Cafe Gen, I would push it to my employees because they were the original target audience. And then people started to subscribe to the blog. But then I, people, when they were retiring, for example, I'd say, Hey, do you want to still receive my blog? And most people are going to say yes, because I'm standing right in front of them. Uh, but it has <laughs> no turned pressure. out to be a tremendous way for me to stay in touch with people. And so that may be a way for her or her or him, the, 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 the questioner to get some exposure because exposure is really important to career development. Um, and I've written about this as well. Linda Duxbury is a prof at Carleton University and she did a study back in the late 1990s. And it was specifically about the factors that contribute to career advancement for federal public servants. It was about our workplace. And she determined that there were two key factors to career advancement, breadth and visibility. So visibility, people know that you exist and what you can do, and breadth of skills. And if you think about blogging, that's a way to gain visibility, particularly for people who are sometimes working in the trenches and might not otherwise, uh, you know, be visible within the public service and breadth because you'll learn new things. And there's nothing like, um, becoming an expert in something, even if it's a really specific, uh, field like social media or radio or, um, you know, you name it, uh, mental health in the workplace. So, a blog is a great way to show what skills you have in a very value-added way. I knew that I was doing the right thing by starting this podcast. So if you're listening and, and you're intrigued by me and you'd like a copy of my CV, the email to write to is todd at toddlions.ca. So, <laughs> okay. As a DG, as someone that's a champion of core, as someone that's a very prolific blogger, how do you balance a full-time job and all of these side projects, because that seems like a lot of plates all spinning at the same time. Absolutely. Uh, it really helps to have a husband who's in the home. So he takes care of suppers and groceries and errands. And that's really how I've been able to become a DG, because I don't think that I would have, as a, as a woman with, with two kids, I don't think I would have been able to devote the time to work that I do if I didn't have the home front taken care of. I have a high energy level, which really helps. I can get a lot done in a short period of time. I love technology. So I really use technology to the max. Um, my daughter calls it black, nose to the Blackberry, but I'm, when I'm commuting, I'm working. So it, it en enables me to knock off a, a fair, amount of work in a short period of time. And then I just make the time for it. I don't have, you know, I'm not a big traveler. I don't have a lot of like, this is my hobby and my and my activities. So I managed to find the time to do it. I was going to ask because, well, I, I can't see into the minds of the people who I was asking uh, their opinions on what kind of questions that they would like to to be asked to you. But it, there seemed like there might have been some some polite concern about work-life balance. And does this woman have hobbies on top of all the things that she's doing? You know, not in her just in her job, but but these other projects that also contribute to the to the culture and the functioning of the public service. But I guess if there is a very strong intersection between what you love and what you consider to be a hobby and things that are yeah, transferable, publishable, I guess you're not struggling so much to try to get both of those needs met at the same time. No, in fact, um 
I, I'm probably a workaholic. My uh, daughter, in fact, calls me a workaholington, which I think is quite inventive. <laughs> uh, and so, yes, I am not a model for work-life balance. I will admit that. And even my hobby is related to work because it's uh, it's about my blog is about success at work. Uh, I I write about work-related subjects for the most part. So I'm always bringing it back to work. And uh, even core, that's another thing that I'm doing at work for work. But yeah, it, I, I guess I'm, I'm, you know, when, when they do personality, um, uh, they plot you on personality charts. Mm. I plot as a giver. And so this is my way of giving. And actually, I have been the beneficiary. I think people give back to me more than I give to them. And they give back in multitude of ways. They give me really positive feedback. They send me articles. They'll say, oh, I saw you wrote about this. You would be interested in that. So that's a tremendous, um, you know, that's a tremendous benefit for me. So yeah, I'm a giver. One last question. And I think this is also something that came from, from the, the community, the Toddcast group. What words of wisdom would you impart to a newly hired public servant? More specifically, what qualities do you see as being important in today's public service? Well, one of the things I would say, and it's not something I practiced starting 27 years ago in, in the public service, and we didn't have the, um, we didn't have the technology and the platforms and the, and the ease of thinking beyond our own little organization. When I first started in public service, I probably didn't know who my deputy was. I, I'm sure I didn't know who the minister was. I barely knew, you know, I identified with my local unit, mm. um, probably about as high as the sector level within, uh, it was Energy Mines Resources at the time. And, but over time, as I moved up the, uh, moved up the, the ladder, I had a, a broader perspective. But I would say, I, and I find the new generation, they're so used to social media, they're on, you know, we didn't have Facebook and Twitter, and we didn't have computers when I started in the public service. They came in after, that's, that's how far People back People have I told go. me stories about the typing pools in the 1990s. Absolutely. And uh, so I would say that reaching out beyond your organization, think of Think of your employer as the public service, whether you spend all your time in one department or or move to multiple departments. So think public service wide. I mean, you can even think more broadly, but the public service of Canada is big. There's probably, uh, there's experts in the public service. There are people who think just like you. There are people who don't think like you. There's such, um, and it's so much easier to reach out to to people in other departments. I mean, you've referred a couple of times to the Toddcast community. Mm. That's a community you've created by what you're, and you're giving, you're creating that community by bringing people together around a shared interest. And that's the interest in hearing the stories that you're bringing to people. So any, any activity that, um, that allows people to have that broader perspective, because that goes also to visibility. So one of those two things that Linda Duxbury talked about. So, um, take advantage of, of those opportunities. Um, I think the other bit of advice I would give, and it's maybe the counterpoint to what I'm saying, is do your job really, really well. And then to the extent that you have any time left over, contribute, give, get involved, volunteer for the charitable campaign, write a blog post, just 
troll on GC Connects and see what people are writing about. Leave a comment in a blog post or on a podcast. Um, that's how you get noticed. You make connections and those connections are really good for, uh, for, for career development. I remember somebody, uh, early on in my career had you know, sometimes during the time I've been in the department, it's reorganized a, a number of times. And one of the opportunities I got was really because of the reputation I had. So I always say that every day you come to work, you're auditioning for a potential employer. And you're actually not only auditioning for a potential employer, you are auditioning in front of all the people who could be references for you. You know, we talk about, we think of references are the people we pick. But your references are the people you interact with. And they, someone might say, hey, do you know this Todd Lyons guy? You know, what's he like? And or you heard this Jennifer Hollington person. So, you, you know, you're thinking about um, your visibility. So you want to do your job well. And then, as I say, if you've got cycles or bandwidth or whatever beyond that, give and you'll get so much coming back as well. I completely agree with that. Um, when I started out in ESTC. I worked in a, in a little privacy shop, but it was very cyclical. We were always working towards providing deliverables for a major meeting that would happen periodically. And then after that meeting, it was like we fell off a cliff. So I would have these big gaps. I'm being paid to come in every day. I really need to find something useful to make like I'm earning the money that I'm, that I'm, that I'm getting. And that is how I ended up working so extensively on GCpedia mm. was just, okay, I've got all these spare cycles. There's this wonderful collaborative platform that the government's put out there. There are people that could benefit from my expertise to help them, you know, develop their document on there. You know, why don't I just go do that? And I probably would never have been invited to come and, and do a succumbent at TBS had I not established sort of that reputation as the guy that loves to get his hands dirty in, in code. Yeah, why don't we bring him over here and just, you know, see what we can do three, six, you know, 12 months, uh, having him uh, actually here with us every day. Yeah. And if we think of our CVs less as words in black and white on a piece of paper and more in, as a portfolio, that so what you do all this extracurricular stuff is part of your portfolio. And, and because we both do it within the bounds of the public service, um, it's, it, it will get noticed. I really appreciate that this finally happened. There were a lot of people that, that, uh, brought forward suggestions. You have to talk to Jennifer Hollington. You have to talk to Jennifer Hollington. And, and it's at least my fault that it took so long to actually get this, uh, get this interview to happen. I just make myself tremendously unavailable. But thank you so much for inviting me to talk today and and just get all this great advice about about developing your career, about core, about Cafe Gen. It's been inspirational to me, and I know it'll be very enriching for uh, for everyone listening in. Thank you. I wish I hadn't stayed up so late last night trying to get through emails because I would be more coherent in my thought processes today. But. It is what it is. I have to apologize to you. I've been sick for the last two days. I am on so much cold medicine right now. <laughs> so if I've said anything silly or if my voice sounds a little rough, it's because I'm, I'm dragging myself out of, well, I think I'm, I'm, I'm on the mend. I'm not contagious in any way. But anyway, again, thanks, Jennifer. This has been a great interview. Thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to Toddcast Season 2, Episode 2. Toddcast was co-produced by Justin Henry. Special thanks to Joy Moscovich, Chris Clark, W. Moulton, Eric Shoesmith, Rania Abdullah, and Ioana Finicu. 
for their support and contributions to this episode. A tip of my hat also to the fine and kind people at thepublicservant.ca. Independently owned, nonpartisan, the plain language online news magazine for federal public servants. All opinions expressed on Toddcast are strictly those of the individual and are not necessarily those of their employer. If you'd like to write and produce segments, know someone remarkable who should be on the show, or are someone with a story to tell, email me at todd at toddlines.ca. You'll get credit on the program, but more importantly, you'll get meaningful content out to the public service of Canada. People who need to be reminded how magnanimous they are. If you've got a comment, suggestion, or a question, please visit the Toddcast group on GC Connects. Episodes are also available on the open web at toddlines.ca. Toddcast is written, recorded, edited, and mixed using open source software, Android, DocuWiki, and Audacity running on Kubuntu Linux and Linux Mint KDE edition. This episode's theme music was Arabic by Andrea Baroni, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike. Toddcast is also free to use and share under the same CC by SA license. No trees were harmed in the production of this presentation. A number of electrons were utilized, but will be recycled. Promise. I'm Todd Lyons. See you next time.